Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Spring. How are you feeling? I'm so great. Um, although I'm a little angry today. What? I'm usually the angry one. Are we flipping scripts today? Yes. And this oh. is this is what I sound like when I'm angry. <laughs> it's not very scary. <laughs> um, so one of my friends texted me, you know, all of my friends text me anything about vaginas as soon as they see them, anything about anything related to vaginas. Me but too, me too, me too. It's like, you know, if somebody wears a vagina dress, if somebody is talking about periods, if someone is talking about vulvas, I I am the first to know because I have several friends texting it to me immediately, um, which I love. Please, everyone keep doing that. And, and this morning, someone texted me that article that says, the New York subway is afraid of the humble vulva. Oh, I saw that too. How hilarious and upsetting is this article? I mean, so when I saw it at first, I was like, what Gizmodo? You're doing something real fun. And then I read it. Um, So for our listeners who haven't read it, we'll include a link in the notes. so You can click on it and read it yourself as well. Um, But apparently uh, there's this company, Dame, and they make all kinds of different sort of masturbators and massagers. um, And they wanted to do an advertising campaign on New York Metro subway. And I don't know how many of you have ever been on the subway, uh, but there are a lot of sexy kinky ads all over the place. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. There's Viagra ads, there's relationship ads, there's counseling ads, there's having sex in the sheets ads, there's naked models with perfume ads, there's Tom Ford perfume ads, which is essentially just a Volvo with perfume on top of it i mean there's a lot of sexy ads <laughs> and then what and what happened what is the end of this story spring why are you angry well um the mta would not allow the dame product ads to be shown on the subway they banned them they said no we will not approve these ads for use on the subway and now dame is suing them and I think pretty rightfully so, because looking at the ads that James submitted to the MTA, they are very tame ads and they have pictures of the products and then say cutesy, sexy type slogans. And they are by far less sexy, less sexually suggestive than most all of the ads that are currently on the subway. I mean, we are going to post more of them to our Instagram story, to our Instagram story and to our Instagram. So if you want to see, you can see exactly what's going on. It's, I mean, I think a lot of this goes back to people being really afraid of vaginas. Yeah. Afraid of vaginas, afraid of women's sexuality, afraid of women owning their sexuality. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it reminds me of like uh, the Super Bowl uh, commercials where there are all of those like super masculine things going on. And if there is like one Tampax commercial, <laughs> the entire world blows up and like, people cannot handle that for 12 and a half seconds. We talked about a Tampax. <laughs> but this, I, I mean, for me, this is the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, like on the subway, people can handle naked people in skimpy clothes or people can handle Viagra ads or people can handle penises and bananas and like condom ads and prep ads and HIV, like all of that constantly. Um, but it's the same kind of like 
fake outrage that I guess it's probably real outrage if they're not going to accept money to do the advertising campaign that like outrage that women have bodies and needs to. Yeah. And it is a bit of policing, you know, that's happening here that is saying, okay, we can advertise things for men's sexual needs, but we can't advertise things. uh, And this company focuses on women's sexual needs. And it's, I think, pretty horrific that the MTA has uh, drawn that line in the sand there. Yeah. Well, I think this lawsuit is going to blow up that line in the sand pretty quick. Or, I mean, the other a thing can happen because sometimes. Yes. Ooh, that does not sound good for a vulva no. at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I think one of two things will happen, though. Like, Dame will either be allowed to pay them money to advertise or they'll get rid of all of it. And that seems to happen sometimes, too, when we start talking about human sexuality stuff. Like, oops, well, now we're just, instead of letting women actually get advertisements for vibrators, yeah. well, uh, I mean, we're going to cancel. I hope that Dame just gets a lot of free publicity out of this, and then they don't have to pay to put their ads on the subway, because that's what they deserve. Hey, Spring, guess what? What? We just gave them a bunch oh, of free publicity. Oh, you're welcome, Dame. We love um, you. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this really does relate to our question for, I mean, we could actually just talk about this for the rest of the episode, but we do have a question. Um, and this question actually comes from multiple different users phrased in a lot of different ways, or uh, not users, but listeners, right? Um, and it's, why do women fake orgasms? That's really the base part of the question. And then what can we do about it is really the second half of the question. So there've been a bunch of people who have submitted questions like, a, you know, my girlfriend just told me that she's faking orgasms and I'm devastated. I feel like she lied to me. And then the other side is I, my, I fake orgasms with my boyfriend because I feel like I have to for his ego. Mm-hmm. Right. So we kind of have both of those kind of questions coming in. Um, but I think we like the very basic question is why do women fake orgasms? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that women report for faking orgasms. So that's not, that's in itself is not an easy question to answer. I mean, women have multiple reasons that they've reported for doing so. Um, Some are not wanting to hurt their partner's feelings, or sometimes they want the sexual interaction to be over. And that's a shortcut to easily finishing the interaction. Sometimes um, they uh, don't think that they'll be able to orgasm, so they would rather just fake it and have uh, some type of um, exciting (laughs) thing happen during the uh, sexual interaction. I like my excitement to be fake. No, I mean, I want to put some like actual numbers (laughs) behind it, right? So Spring said that uh, a a lot of the time it's about hurting your partner's feelings. Um, About 80% of women who report faking orgasms say they they do it because they don't want to hurt their partner's feelings, which is kind of sweet in a way, but quite damaging in another, and we'll talk more about that. Um, Yeah, so it's about 80% of the reports are about hurting your partner's feelings. So to not hurt your partner's feelings, you lie to them about one of the most intimate close forms of intimacy. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, but but then, so yeah, I mean, let's talk about why it's a problem. So, and yeah, so maybe you don't hurt your partner's feelings. Okay. And maybe that seems like a nice little shortcut there, but then what's the problem with faking an orgasm? I think we need to go back to that a little bit more. Why, why is it a problem if a woman fakes an orgasm? 
Well, I mean, right. So if you are expecting to have sex multiple times with the same person and you fake an orgasm with them because you're not getting off, you're not getting there, you're trying to not hurt their feelings, you're essentially telling them that they're doing a good job, like they're getting you to that point, that the expected orgasm that everyone's supposed to have during sex. We've talked about this a lot of times. I'll talk about it more in just a few minutes. Um, But you're essentially teaching them to do the wrong thing. Like, this thing isn't helping me get off, but I'm faking my orgasm. So you're going to keep doing more of the, that thing. Right. So, I mean, that's the, that's the baseline problem um, because we talk about sexual scripts, right? Do you want to talk about sexual well, scripts? Yeah, I was just going to say, we're creating a loop there where if we tell them, um, you know, oh my gosh, that feels great. I'm having an orgasm. Then that's what they're always going to do. That's what they've learned. And then that is what they're going to try again. And then it almost is like, then you're going to have to fake it again to keep this lag going. And that is that becomes a cycle that can be very hard for people to break. People do get into these very long-term cycles where they have started faking an orgasm with a partner and then they feel like they have to do it over and over and over. And then there is almost seems like there's no way out. There is a way out. There's always a way out. But it can seem like there's no way out because the cycle kind of perpetuates itself. And right. that uh, Right. I- yeah. Well, no, I mean, right, exactly. We're talking about you when you're starting to have sex with somebody, you are creating that story together. And if you insert some lies early on, and even if you're even if you're lying to your partner because you don't want to hurt their feelings or because you want it to be over or for any of those other kind of reasons. And I, I mean, I think all of the reasons that people give are probably completely valid reasons in that yeah. moment, right? So, but you're just creating a false kind of relationship with that other person and you create that new script. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of pressure on men both to give people orgasms and to have orgasms themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the overall script. For and we're, Today we're talking mostly about heterosexual couples and penile vaginal intercourse. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about some other stuff in a few minutes. But um, you're setting up that script where the man is responsible for giving a woman an orgasm and the man is responsible for his own orgasm. And if a man can't do that, he feels bad and he's the problem, right? So that's why you don't want to hurt his feelings. But right. when you start building up that script, you're hurting more than his feelings. You're, hor- I mean, if you're a woman, you're hurting your orgasmic potential. You're hurting your intimacy. And you're almost creating a wedge between like you and your partner. And we're not talking about one of those sex wedges that's helpful. We're talking about a problematic wedge. And I think that, you know, Andrew's talking about this script here. And so when we're talking about sexual scripts, we're talking about kind of um, normative ways that something is kind of expected to go within a relationship or within our culture and how relationships are kind of built sexual relationships in our culture. And so the sexual script that is kind of pre-existing um this, there's this idea that is prevalent that men are supposed to give women the orgasm during the sexual interaction and that, yeah, then the man is supposed to orgasm afterwards. And then that's when the sex is finished. <laughs> and, and we know that this is not a uh, necessarily healthy and this is not the way that we're saying it's supposed to go but that is the existing script and that is what people try to live up to a lot of times in their sexual interactions 
Right. And I mean, if we look at uh, especially the young, young men, uh, they are likely to have some rapid ejaculation issues and women are likely to have delayed orgasm issues. And you put those two together and they make no sense with the script. And the script is in pornography. It's in movies and it's in television. It's everywhere you look, it's the same script where there's penis and vagina sex happening. The woman loves it so much. She starts screaming she gets off. Then the man gets off. Then it's over. <laughs> right. And, and that's just not how sex works in the real world. Right. Like it does not work. People do not come at the same time every single time. And people do not come. you like, it does not measure up. It, it does. It, it's frustrating. It makes me mad. Just like that, the dames, boy signs, like kind of suppressing women. I think that faking orgasm hurts men and it hurts women. Um, For sure. And I think we need, yeah, we need to take a break. But we'll be right back. And I want to pick up exactly where we are. Okay. So I just was talking about how it hurts men and women. There's a huge part of faking orgasm that's almost completely ignored by the media, by any kind of pop culture, by most sex education classes. People are okay talking about women faking orgasm. Men actually fake orgasms too. Not at the quite same, not at the same level, not as frequently. Um, but there was a really recent research study that showed that about 67% of women who had had penile vaginal sex, that's P, P, penis in the vagina sex, had reported faking at least one orgasm. And then 50% of them had faked at least 50, right? So that's like almost two thirds of women have reported faking one orgasm. The same research showed that about 25% of men also report pretty consistent faking of orgasms, right? So um, what Spring and I have been talking about most of our, our, our show so far today is that women fake orgasms and why do women fake orgasms? Men fake orgasms too, pretty much for the exact same reasons. About half of men report faking orgasm because they don't want to hurt their partner's feelings because they think that their partner, you know, it wants to have them have pleasure. Um, and then the other part uh, for men is that it takes too long or they feel like it's taken too long or they feel like they can't get off. This really relates a lot to our death grip, death grip episode that just came out. Was that last week? Yeah. Two weeks ago. Yeah. And that's, Two weeks what, ago. And that's related also to that pressure you were talking about, right? Like this pressure that a male might feel in the sexual interaction to orgasm. And, and when we're talking about all of these things, they all have a mental component. Um, and we talked about this in that death grip episode a couple episodes ago also. And so when a male is feeling a lot of pressure to orgasm, then that is going to do the opposite, right? That's going to build up in his brain and then probably prevent the orgasm um, or lengthen the time that it takes to get there. So as we have um, the actual physical processes, we have all these mental things happening too. And all of these kind of norms and scripts in our cultural really contribute to how we think about these things and um, how they then impact our sexual interactions. So it, it keeps coming back to that kind of sexual stereotype or sexual script. And we've talked about it a bunch of times, um, suppression of women or women are not supposed to enjoy sex or like sex or men are supposed to be great at sex. Everyone starts out pretty bad at sex, except for me, I was great. Um, <laughs> no. I mean, it's just one of those things where you're supposed to get better over time, um, especially if you're with the same partner multiple times. And lying to them is going to get in the way of you really having a fulfilling, intimate relationship with that person. Um, and I think that we should talk about like the sort of other side of 
the, the question that came in, like, my girlfriend told me that she'd been faking and I'm devastated. What do I do? Like, so what do we do with that other half of the question? Well, I mean, okay, here's, here's where we go back to our standby answer. Communicate. Uh, of course, we need to talk about this. Um, and I, I actually want to back it up a little to the moment when somebody feels like they need to fake an orgasm and talk about the communication there. Because I think that, um, we can, we can go into how we can talk about this post people faking, but I'd like to talk about what communication can happen in the moment where somebody can communicate something clearly about their needs that is not going or hopefully is not going to hurt the feelings of their partners, but also doesn't contribute to this negative feedback loop of lying and creating false expectations of what helps someone to achieve an orgasm. So if you're having um, a sexual interaction with a partner and there's this moment where you feel like I should just fake it. <laughs> um, I just want to get this over with. I'm too tired. I, I had too many drinks and it's not going to happen. Yeah. Whatever it is. So, so I think uh, that's when we say, Hey honey, I'm really sweetie, sexy, babe, whatever you call your partner. <laughs> hey, and insert beautiful cutesy name here. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this interaction and I don't think I can orgasm right now. Um, is there another position you want to try? Is there something else you want to do? Um, I, I'd like to, and then insert truth either. I'd like to continue having a little more sex or I'd like to, uh, See if you can orgasm now, if you want to try to <laughs> encourage that, but like put in, you know, a next step also. So I think, you know, say I'm enjoying what's happening. I, this isn't um, going to be an orgasm for me at this moment. So let's change up what we're doing and then provide a suggestion as to where you want it to go next. Yeah, so that's Spring saying like in the moment, you can actually redirect or rewrite that script that isn't working for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it comes back to that, like, I, we should have some, like, sex rap memes where they just have, like, the word communicate all over them. No, I mean, talking mm -hmm. to your partner frequently about their needs and what you can do and being open to it is great as well. Um, but I think the real problem with someone revealing that they've been faking after months or even years of sex with you is that, like, it kind of breaks down all of your sexual confidence. Like, you thought you were doing a good job for a long time, and then all of a sudden, you're like, you got an F. Like, like, I'm trying to imagine what it would feel like if someone had told me after a long time where I thought I was being an effective, caring, compassionate, ethically equal sexual partner where I'm, you're getting off. And I've been told I'm a failure that whole time. I mean, I, I would take it really personally. Like, how how would I handle someone telling me the thing that... And I mean, and there'd be a lot of blame cast around too. Like, it's your fault that you didn't tell me. No, it's my fault because I wasn't good enough and I didn't recognize it. Or I'd go into denial and say, wait, this can't be true. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and I think it should be something that's addressed probably not during sex or not after sex or not, you know, like it should be a conversation where like, I really need to talk to you about about this and it's a really serious issue and it's something that I'm struggling with and that it's a problem that I had and there are the reasons that I did it like I really cared about you and I wanted you to feel super macho and I wanted you to feel like you were the best man ever and I really loved the sex I was having with you and I'm sorry that it didn't go exactly you know what I mean something something along those lines where like 
you take some of the blame off of the other person because if you've been telling them, uh, if you've been faking it the whole time or pretending to have them the whole time, like I think that a lot of the culpability lies in the, the person who's faking, right? And remember, both men and women, and I'm sure uh, people who are trans as well, Thing. Yeah. And like the whole spectrum. But I, I like that idea of like taking some of the blame and saying, you know, um, I I have been telling you, you know, that this is what works for me and I'm really sorry. And this is uh something that I want to take responsibility for and changing. And then also talking about how you can do that and, you know, um, maybe setting up a time where you guys do some mutual masturbation together and you can show your partner um, how you normally like to orgasm. Um, and you can do that several different ways and you can show them how you might like to do that, that with hands, how you might like to do it with toys. You could um, set up like a little bit of playground time where you just get to uh, play around together and show each other, you know, your favorite ways to be touched um, and then practice with each other and say, is it like this? Is it like this? And like set up space for that. So it's not mid uh, some other interaction that's taken by surprise, but where you've actually allowed, you know, a couple hours or something to like, let's just uh, figure this out together and see how this feels and see how this feels so that um, you have a time set aside that isn't um, a surprise and isn't kind of uh, mid trying to figure something else out um, or so that way it feels a little um, more, I think, I hope uh, happy for everyone. Um, and I think it's also important to, to talk about just some of the other research that surrounds this. Um, we know that it's between like 60 and 70% of women do not typically have orgasms during penile vaginal intercourse. So that's o- over two thirds of women typically will not unless something else is done, right? So they have to get a handy helper or do you need a little massager or, or, or something else? Most women need direct clitoral stimulation during penile vaginal intercourse to actually get off anyway, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of easy small steps that you can kind of build in right away that will probably do a pretty good job at starting to address the issue of faking orgasms for heterosexual women, right? And we already talked about that death grip in a previous episode, and that actually is one of the drivers that prevents men. So we can start talking about, I I loved how Spring framed it, reprogramming the brain. Um, But when it comes to faking orgasm, there's a lot of sexual script reprogramming that we need to do. Reprogram the brain, reprogram the script, really show the other person what you like and what gets you off. That that kind of communication will enhance all parts of your relationship, just not the sexual (laughs) one. Oh my God, communication. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, So the last thing, that I want to say about this before we get to the the tips and all the rest of it is um like how to take it humbly, right? So like I, like I said just a few minutes ago, I was trying to imagine what it would feel like if I had been in a relationship with someone for months and years and we had had intercourse or sex hundreds of times and then I felt like a failure. Um, if someone comes and tells you this, like take it humbly, right? Because it's really hard for them too because they realize by the time someone tells you that they've set set this up right? Take it in a way and try to be really constructive. And yeah, it's going to hurt. And yeah, you're going to feel kind of betrayed. But 
you can take those sort of negative emotions and you can turn them around and make it a more positive sexual interaction with somebody. Something as simple as saying like, was this good for you? Or is this good? Or is this what you need along the way? Like interjecting those kind of questions into your own sexual performance with any partner, right? Anyone, even if you've been with them for a dozen years, asking those sort of questions is really useful and helpful for sex. And you can ask those <laughs> questions during sex. Those are like, you don't have to like set up a time ahead of time. You can be like, does this feel good? Are you getting close? Does this work for you? Um, right. And take some of the pressure off of the orgasm and put it on the pleasure that the other person is experiencing. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else that you need to say before we end wrap this up? Um, I mean, I just, I just love this idea of, you know, uh, practicing communication a lot more often. And I think what you were just saying is exactly that. And the more you get used to, you know, asking little questions about, does this feel good? Does that feel good? The easier all of it becomes. And so I think that, you know, um, practice the, those little easy things as often as you can during sex, before sex, after sex, you know, these little check-ins, um, because that, that is the gateway. Like that's how you get good at it. That's how you get good at um, communicating about sex is just, you know, practicing and those little easy ones will get you in there, get you in that drawer. (laughs) It's beautiful. Um, So do you have a tip for today? I have a tip for today. What's your tip for the day? So my tip is changing the way that we feel about sexual success, taking it off of orgasm. So making orgasm, not what sexual success means and change that to anything that makes you feel good about yourself, good about your partner or something that makes your relationship stronger or better. Does that make sense? That's the, that's so good. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I was going to offer a tip around uh, some more playground time. Um, I was thinking about maybe like setting up a time with your partner where, um, you know, something is different from your normal script where you, you just choose a few things like, okay, um, maybe the male partner always orgasms and that's the end. So maybe we have him orgasm at the beginning and then see how much other sexual interaction time we can have and what else we can do or something like that. Like set up something that is flipping your script in some way and then challenge yourself to like get a little more creative in that time. I really love that. Um, so everyone has a sexual script. You can look at yours. You could actually probably on like one little post-it note, write down exactly what sex looks like with that person. And all you have to do is rearrange it or change some of them around or, you know, like add a new element. That's a, that's a really, that's a great idea. <laughs> Thanks. For, um, we do have a shout out today. Um, okay. So because the Metro MTA, New York City Metro subway uh, rejected Dame Vibrators. Our shout out to them, or this is our shout out. It's for them today. So thank you, Dame, for creating some cute little ads and helping women have orgasms. <laughs> thank you, Dame. We love you, Dame. All right. Um, so uh, let's see. If you like to send us a question, feel free to. You can reach us on all of our social media and via email and phone. Um, you can email us at uh, thesexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. And then you can, and, and if you already haven't, you should definitely check out our social media. Uh, we constantly post sex positive information for you. Um, and we are at the thesexwrap at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Just wrap us. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school or just too af- blah, 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 blah.
Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.